You're listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness from LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porter Subs. It's Unnecessary Roughness, presented by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. I came here to win the Super Bowl. Like, that's what's on my mind. I didn't come here just for the story of it or just to be close to home. You know, all those other things were cool and, it's, and it adds to it. But for me, it's, it's getting a Super Bowl and part of getting to that goal is winning. You know, and to start off the season, especially with the roller coaster of a season we had last year, I think it was important to everybody to start off on the right foot. You know, just getting that win. I didn't, I didn't care if I played the worst game or the best game. I just wanted to win that first game. So I'm glad you saw that. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Here's your boy Q. And here we go, coming in, hearing the sounds of Devontae Adams meeting with the media earlier today in West Virginia, talking about why he came to the Silver and Black. Coming back to the West Coast, being close to home, that's nice. Being with his college teammate, that's nice. Right? Being able to play in Las Vegas, maybe build his brand, that's nice. Whatever the storyline that you want to throw out there is all nice. But you heard what Devontae said. Not his, not my words, his. He came to the Silver and Black to win a Super Bowl. Winning is what matters to Devontae Adams. They won in week one. Now they continue on through this long journey that is an NFL season. This is Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. My man Ari's in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio. We like to call it Studio Q. And, of course, it's brought to you by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. Got a lot to get to on today's show as we start to turn the corner. Denver, that win over the Broncos is in the rearview mirror, right? They're working on their next week opponent. The Raiders are now in West Virginia working on the Buffalo Bills. So that's what we'll do from now on the rest of the week. We'll focus in on what's in front of the silver and black as opposed to what's behind the Raiders. So it's all about the Buffalo Bills today, tomorrow, Friday. Of course, they play the game on Sunday, and then you, you live with the results, win or loss, whatever the case may be. So uh, we got it, like I said, lined up for you today. Excited about the show. Uh, Nate Geary, WGR 550, Bills pregame, halftime, and postgame show host. He's going to join us coming up at 2.30, and he'll talk all things Buffalo Bills and kind of reflect a little bit on what happened with the Bills on Monday night against the Jets especially with Josh Allen. I'm sure that that's a big talking point right now in Buffalo and on WGR 550. I'm sure that's a big-time talking point. How does Josh Allen reel it in from what he did on Monday night? The last images we saw of Josh Allen was, well, three interceptions and a fumble, and that's not going to get it done. We know that. Quarterbacks, I don't care how good you are, you can't be reckless with the ball. And this is something I've been saying about Josh Allen and the Bills for a while, that they have to find a way to – Reel him in when it comes to those turnovers that he, he has. He had 17 of them. You count them, 17, like all offseason, all we talked about, and I say we, I'm talking about radio show hosts, podcasters, media, guys that sitting around the bar talking football. All everybody talked about was Dak Prescott and all those interceptions that he threw, even though he had played in 12 games, right? He missed five games, and he still led the league in interceptions, which is bad. I'm not trying to give him a pass, but there was a guy that played in Buffalo that had 17 turnovers. Fumbles and interceptions combined, right? And that just can't happen. For a team that has high expectations, a team that just won the AFC East a a season ago, a team that expects to win the AFC East again and make a deep run into the playoffs and potentially be playing in the Super Bowl, you can't have the turnovers that the Bills had on Monday night and what Josh Allen did. I mentioned it on Monday, or actually I mentioned it on Tuesday uh, when we came into the show. The blueprint is out there to go get it done. There is a recipe to success for the Silver and Black as they 
take on the Buffalo Bills in their home opener, right? That's going to have some high emotions as well at that game. Like the crowd's going to be fired up. Everyone's going to be ready to go. And I think the Buffalo Bills in general are going to come out of that tunnel, hair on fire, ready to punch the Raiders in the mouth, trying to get that taste of the, the loss to the Jets out of their mouth. So the Raiders have to find a way to weather the storm early on. And, uh, you know, of course, we'll talk about keys to the game, ebbs and flows of the game. We'll do that throughout the course of the week as we prepare for week two. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see what Buffalo Bills team takes that field and, and how they approach it and, and what do you see from the quarterback, Josh Allen. So we'll talk to Nate Geary, uh, all things Buffalo Bills, coming up at 2.30. And we'll continue to do this as the injury report is out. Uh, we'll go over that a little bit later for both the Raiders and the Bills. But we'll do this each and every day. We'll talk to someone from the Bills and kind of get their, their weekly progress, right? Okay, this is what the Wednesday uh, team looks like. This is what the conversation is about on Wednesday. All right, Thursday, how has it progressed? All right, Friday, final little walkthrough, whatever the case may be, what is the, you know, the last word on the Buffalo Bills before the Raiders take the mug on Sunday? So Nate Geary, WGR 550, he hosts the pregame, halftime, and postgame show. He'll join us at 2.30 to talk all things Buffalo Bills. Good friend of the show. Can't wait to talk to Nate. Coming up at 3 o'clock, speaking of good friends of the show, Ari Mayrov, 33rdteam.com. He'll join us to talk all things NFL. And I'll tell you what, the NFL is very entertaining. And what I mean by that is there's always a bunch of storylines. Now, I would be lying to you and anyone listening if I thought as many storylines as we got coming out of week one, we were going to get coming out of week one. Like, normally that's about at least, you know, three, four, five weeks of, of NFL action before you get the kind of storylines that we've already got. I mean, from the first game of the season, Kansas City losing to Detroit, you know, Banner, Banner Knight, Chris Jones holding out. Then all of a sudden he gets a contract, his not extension, he gets a one-year deal that really he doesn't, doesn't gain anything. So basically he sat out for no reason. Right now the NFL being sued by Jim Trotter, the writer, right? He writes for The Athletic right now. I mean, that's a storyline. Uh, Aaron Rodgers out, you know, for the season with the torn Achilles. And now everyone's talking about the turf there at MetLife, including former Raider tight end Darren Waller, who's dealing with the hamstring injury that he said is – the injury that he had last year with the Silver and Black. His words, not mine. Right? And he said that that turf at MetLife Stadium is not easy to play on. Now, he said it was soaking wet because the all the, the rain that they got before that game on on uh, on Sunday against the Cowboys. But it's not it's not comfortable to go out there and play. So I'm sure that that's something that Darren Waller, and I don't ever root against him. I think he's a hell of a dude. He has a hell of a story. I, root, I, I want nothing but success for him. That's something he's going to have to deal with throughout the course of the year. Right, because he's playing on that turf. Mark Davis made sure there was grass in Allegiant Stadium for the Raiders. Now, when UNLV plays in Allegiant Stadium, they bring the turf in, they have that tray that slides in, and they play on turf. But the Raiders, nah. No, no, no. They played on grass for the most part at the Oakland Coliseum. They also played in dirt, but they played in grass at the Coliseum. They play in grass at Allegiant Stadium, and that's what the majority of the NFL would love to play on is grass. And unfortunately, because of economics, it is cheaper to play on the turf they, uh, they have turf across the stadiums across the league. But that's all of a sudden become a big-time topic where the NFLPA, the, the leader of that, has put out a you know, statement talking about uh, the players would like the stadiums to be um, you know, taken care of and put grass there instead of turf. So we'll talk to Ari Mayrov, 33rdteam.com, just all kind of storylines, what he's intrigued by uh, when it comes to the first week of the NFL and what he's looking forward to coming up in week two. That's at 3 o'clock. A uh, really good friend of the show. And I say that, man, as soon as Ari, who's in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, reached out to him, he was like, hey, I'm going to reach out to Ari to see if he can join the show today. I said, all right, cool, no problem. Before I had a chance to put my phone down, all of a sudden it was like, yep, Ari's in. It's like, damn, do you have the guy on speed dial? Was he already on the phone? What's really going on? So I guess Ari to Ari, I guess there was a good connection there, huh? That's you guys it. are like, <laughs> like brothers or something. 
That's Man. right. I'm okay with that. No, that's good. Uh, Ari Mayrob is fantastic. Uh, really good dude. Does a great job for 33team.com, and he'll join the show coming up at 3 o'clock. 3.30, Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports. She joins us each and every Wednesday, uh, either at 3.30 or 4 o'clock, to talk Aces and UNLV. But today is the day. Today is the day that the postseason gets started for the WNBA, so the Aces will be hosting the Chicago Sky. Uh, they'll be in action tonight. Tip-off is at 7 o'clock. You can hear that game on our sister station. Oh, is that going to be on our sister? Or is that on Fox? That's on Fox, right, Ari? Yep, that's me, right. and that's on yep. Fox. So. There you go. That's on our other sister station, <laughs> right? Yes. We've got so many of them, sometimes i got to check myself. Yeah, we got sisters all over the place, right? Oh, that's just my sister. <laughs> got ESPN Las Vegas, Fox Sports Las Vegas, 12-30 the game. We got them all, right? But it's going to be on our Fox Sports Las Vegas sister station as we have the UN. LV Barry Odom coaches show on uh, on ESPN Las Vegas tonight. So as you know, we are packed, we are locked and loaded, we got a lot going on. But uh, yeah, that that game between the Aces and the Sky can be heard again. Tip off is at seven o'clock on uh, Fox Sports Las Vegas. So Paloma will join us to talk about UN, uh, the UNLV, but of course the Aces and the run to try to repeat as WNBA champions. So those are the guests that we have. Nate Geary, WGR 550, talking all things Bills at 2.30. Ari Mayrov, scatter shooting around the NFL at 3. Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports at 3.30. Plus, head coach Josh McDaniels, he talked to the media earlier today. We never got to Patrick Graham yesterday, so we'll get some sound bites from him as well. Uh, Devontae Adams and Jimmy Garoppolo and others talked as well today uh, as they're in West Virginia. And there's some media members there, like Adam Hill, our good friend. I know he's there. Uh, Vinny's not there quite yet. I'm sure he'll be on his way sooner rather than later. Uh, I'm trying to remember who else is there. Uh, there's a few other there's a few other media members that are there. It's not a whole lot because a lot of people, I think Paul Gutierrez is already there, probably took off from Denver and went immediately to West Virginia. I think to Sean and uh, Vic Tafer, I know that they're there for sure, uh, but don't really know the whole collective of guys that are there in West Virginia. It's a little bit different. Normally they come back to Henderson and be practicing, so we're all able to be there. So that's why, obviously, I haven't been in attendance because I am here and not there in West Virginia. But uh, we'll hear from... Uh, the couple of the players, and of course, Coach McDaniels and Patrick Graham throughout the course of the show as well. Ari's got reason or excuse to close us out around 4.30 with that. Maybe the National Day of the Day if it's worth the salt. And it's funny, anytime that the National Day of the Day is actually good, it's the day that we miss it. Like something's going on and we'll miss it and we won't have the opportunity to get to it. And then the time that we have time for it, it's like it's a terrible one. You know, but there's like 17,000 trillion of them. So I, I think, know, but even I think then, we'll find some. even <laughs> when there's like 17,000 trillion of them, like you mentioned, they're all terrible, right? Oh, I mean, it's 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 such a uh, it's funny because I like I like to get intrigued and just hear what it is, but it just to me it makes it cracks me up sometimes. Like really, who who in the hell sat around and decided I'm going to come up with the national days of the day? Right. Well, the food ones are tricky because you're you're not like a. I mean, I'm not a huge food like I'm picky with food too, but you're not a huge snacker, so sometimes that kind of falls on deaf ears. Uh, I will say like we always had the theory that this is like corporate driven, like. As, as Cofield calls it, you know, big chicken. So it's like National Chicken Finger Day, National Chicken Breast Day, right. National Grill Day. So they just want you to get their products and celebrate the National Day. That's the theory. So Well, look, look, we can celebrate <laughs> all the National Food Days of the year if you want, as long as the, whoever that is comes on by the station and drops something off. Uh, okay. I'm with right? that, actually. I mean, I'm going to have to work on that. Look, now. I'm okay <laughs> with that. Look, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not opposed to, you know, uh, doing things the American way, which is by way of barter. That's right. right? Do something I mean, America country. was built on the barter system, right? Radio, and look, too. <laughs> hey, man, look, let me tell you, man, I've been in radio for a very long time. I have survived on the barter system. 
I will I will trade you a CD for a meal any day of the week. <laughs> yep. <laughs> right? Same. I used to drive through the the drive through a jack in the box in the radio station van. Wild 949. Hey man, I got this Nelly Country Grammar and I got a Wild 949 t-shirt. Can I get a sourdough jack? Man, right? we, we used to get a whole pizza for like bump this is old stations not here yeah, but bumper yeah, yeah. stickers. Oh yeah. It, it would be like, "Uh, I, I got a t-shirt." Yeah, that's cool. Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> they loved oh, it. Hey man, look. They love you out there. Oh, man, appreciate the, that. I'll tell you right now. And this is taking it way back because you you don't see these cats anymore. The street team guy or party crew guy, whatever you used to call those guys, because at Wild we called we were called party crew, but everywhere else it was like street team or whatever like that. Um, Those were the most popular guys at the radio station, not the guys on the radio, not those guys. Yep. (laughs) Because the ones that you actually got to see and touch and talk to all the time were the street teamers, man. So I thrived in the streets. Yep. Find me in the streets. That's where boy. I came from, too. I, I, I guess I've declined in popularity since then. It's just been more. Hey, man, find me I'm in kidding. the streets, homeboy. Give me free stuff. <laughs> right. Facts. That's what we did. There's no doubt about that. So modern day, here we are. We're rolling, but it's good times. Uh, so, yeah, uh, the partner system is okay by me. Again, 2.30, Nate Geary, WGR 550. He'll join us talking bills. Ari Mayroff, 3013.com at 3. Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports at 3.30. And, of course, we'll hear from you throughout the course of the show as well. 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text sign 69187, keyword R&R. And we've got winning on the way, and you don't have to barter with us. All you got to do is be caller number nine. When we ask for caller number nine, we're trying to get you registered for the Ultimate Raiders hookup, trying to get you in to win. What is the Ultimate Raiders hookup? That is two tickets to the game, the home opener against the Steelers, also two field passes, and an autographed player jersey. That's the real shebang right there. That is all. That is the uh, da-da-da, right? And, and, and what, what is an uh, da-da-da? That's when you can't even come up with a word It's that great, right? That is awesome right there. An autographed player jersey, two field passes, and two tickets to the season opener, home opener at, at Allegiant Stadium. Yeah, that's the get down right there. So we will be doing that, I'll say, um, before 4 o'clock, we'll get someone in to win that. So you can go ahead and put that in your notes, in your phone. Before 4 o'clock, we'll get someone in to win the Ultimate Raiders hookup. But with all that being said, let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM is brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury. It's about the recovery. So we'll start off the opening drive. We'll go over the Raiders injury report for Wednesday. And last week when we went over the injury report before the first game of the season against Denver, there was only a couple guys on it, right? And it really wasn't anything to be too concerned about. Well, let's just say that the injury report is a little bit longer this week heading into week number two. Now, on the, guy, the guys that did not participate, wide receiver Devontae Adams dealing with the foot injury. Wide receiver DeAndre Carter dealing with the knee injury. Uh, let's see. Wide receiver Jacoby Myers still on the concussion protocol. Nothing he could do about that. There's no, well, I feel good, coach. No, you got to clear the concussion protocol. And then safety Trayvon Merrick dealing with the thumb injury. Remember, he ended the game on Sunday with a, with a club around his hand and uh, still was able to make that nice tackle, that open field tackle to get off the field on third down. So those are the guys that did not participate. Devontae Adams, DeAndre Carter, uh, Jacoby Myers, and Trayvon Merrick. Also, Chandler Jones, who's dealing with the personal situation again. That's nothing that we know anything about. Uh, head coach Josh McDaniels earlier this week, he said he has no update. He's going to stick to what he what he said you know, last week about Chandler Jones. So I think that that's a situation that at some point will work itself out. But I don't think that there's going to be anything to update on that situation anytime soon. Also, on the injury report for the Silver and Black, quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo. 
ankle injury. He was limited at practice, and guard Jordan Meredith with a calf injury also was limited. So as you can tell, the, the, the list, the injury report for Wednesday, we'll get another one tomorrow on Friday, and then we'll find out who's in and out 90 minutes before kickoff on Sunday, is a lot more extensive than it was last week. Devontae Adams, foot injury. DeAndre Carter, knee injury. Jacoby Myers, concussion. Trayvon Merrick, thumb. Jordan Meredith, calf. And Jimmy Garoppolo, ankle. Chandler Jones, personal. So, again, with it only being Wednesday, I wouldn't panic about these guys. I know that uh, Devontae and uh, I know he took the day off of practice, but he did speak with the media, so that's usually a really good sign. And Jimmy G was limited. So I think that everything's going to be fine. I know you see these names and know how important they are to the success of the team, and you get a little concerned, but I think everything will be fine. By Friday, I feel like we'll have a really good idea if these guys are going to be in or out on Sunday. But if I was a betting man, I would say that Devontae will definitely play. DeAndre, I'm kind of 50-50 with him. Jimmy will play. Uh, Jacoby Myers, like I said, he's got to go through the concussion protocol. I don't think he's going to play just because of the hit and, and when it happened, and that, that's just really quick to come back from a concussion. Meredith, the calf injury, maybe. And Trayvon Merrick with the thumb and the, and the club, I honestly believe, and this is just my gut feeling, I have not heard this from anyone, I honestly believe he's not going to play. And the reason I say this is, remember last year in week five when Nate Hobbs hurt his hand and he went into the locker room and got a club and he finished the game off? He immediately missed the next, what, four or five games? with that injury. And I'm not saying it's the exact same thing because this is a thumb as opposed to a broken hand, but it's just going to be really hard for him to be out there and navigate with, uh, with that club on his hand. So depending on the severity, and again, on Wednesday, my gut feeling tells me that he's not going to play on, on Sunday, but we'll see. That's why they get an injury report each and every day to kind of update us with what's going on. So uh, when we come into the show tomorrow, we'll have the injury report to go over. When we come into the show on Friday, live from Buffalo Wild Wings at Flamingo and, and Wallapai, uh, we'll give you the final report for the, the week. So just kind of look forward to that. Uh, but I just wanted to go ahead and start things off with that. Now, the topic that I want to bring to the table, and I always like to bring a topic to the table, two things. One, who do you want to see more of or more from this week? Like, who do you think needs to really step up and have a good game knowing who the Raiders are about to play? They're about to take on the Buffalo Bills. Somebody who may have participated on Sunday against the Broncos and did all right. All right, hey, this person did all right, but I need to see more of this guy. And then – do you think, and this is really because a question was posed to me on my Lockdown Raider podcast uh, from the voicemail line, and I had it on the show today. Do you think the Raiders have the personnel to get it done defensively against Buffalo, similar to what the Jets did? And, and before you answer that, I'm not saying that they have the same defense as the Jets because they don't. It's not even close, right? But do they have the, enough guys? Can the defensive line put pressure on Josh Allen enough to make him make a mistake? Can the guys on the back end capitalize and come up with the interception if the ball is there, right? Whitehead for the Jets made three interceptions himself. He gained $250,000 in incentives. All he needed to have was three interceptions for the season. He had three interceptions in game one. So he, uh, you know, he got a quarter of a million dollars extra <laughs> because he had a really good day at the, at the ballpark against Josh Allen. But do the Raiders have the guys to go and make the plays if the play is there to be made, or are they not yet there yet? So those are the two questions I have. Who do you want to see more of this week or more from this week? And do you believe that the Raiders have the personnel to get it done defensively against the Buffalo Bills? Let us know about it. 702-365-9200. The don'tbebroke.com text line is 69187, keyword R&R. Let's go out to Sacramento, California, man, the 916. Raider Greg, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? What's going on, Q, brother? How you doing today? Hey, man, I'm blessed. How are you? Oh, just the same, sir. Just uh, calling in, man. You know, the guy – 
I want to see a lot more of, I'm just going to say, Tyree Wilson. Okay. Uh, that's going to be the first guy that I just want to see him do a little bit more. You know, when I went back and watched the film, I seen he was a little bit hesitant on his get-off, I'm sure. You know, I mean, that's mm-hmm. part of the growing pains. He got forced in a little bit earlier than we probably all would have liked. But, you know, sometimes you got to get trial by fire, right? You know, we know, as we used to always say, pressure bucks pipes, right, or make diamonds. So we need him to uh, – I want to see a lot more from him. And then when it comes to the personnel, I think we got the guys, man. I think we definitely got the guys. Um, you know, seeing that they didn't even throw at Marcus Peters, you know, that's good having a guy like that over there that can lock it down. Yeah. I think the communication was good. And it's something that really, you know, that's not X's and O's that I've seen that I really liked. You know, when I watched the mic'd up Josh Jacobs and, you know, the, the, the noise from the sideline, just seeing the camaraderie of the guys, mm-hmm. you know, all the, the last year and a couple of years before that, I didn't see that. Right. You know, you didn't see the guys all talking to each other like a brotherhood. It, it seems like that brotherhood is back. And, you know, it's, it, it might not resort to, you know, uh, playoffs right away, but it just shows that something's brewing and we're on our way. So I just – I think little things like that, seeing the camaraderie, seeing how these guys are pulling for each other, standing up, rooting each other on, you know, pumping each other up, the quarterback, Jimmy's talking to everybody. That's just something that we haven't been used to seeing. So I just think we're on the right, right path. I like Thank it. I, I like it. Raider Greg, great call, man. And, you know, it's funny. JT said this earlier when we were doing the Raider Roundtable on Tuesday at the Intermountain Health Performance Center, and he said that it's something to be said about a quarterback who's not just sitting on the bench by himself, you know, just kind of preparing for the next time he takes the field. But it's something to be said about that quarterback who's going up and down the sideline, like you just mentioned, pumping his guys up, talking with his guys, interacting with his guys. And, you know, the one thing that I'll I'll add to this before we get to Shields Up is, you know, people ask me all the time now, Q, since you've seen him a little while, he's got a game under his belt, you know, he's out there, he's a new quarterback. Uh, For the first time, the Raiders had a new quarterback in nine years. You know, what do you think of Jimmy G? And I said, look, man, it ain't about what I think. It's about what those dudes on the sideline and in that locker room think. And what I'm impressed with is they all seem to be riding and dying with that guy, right? They seem like they all got Jimmy G's back. When I hear Josh Jacobs say, man, he makes me want to block harder. Man, anybody that's willing to get in there and do this, he's a dog, and I'm, I'm, I'm ready to get after it with him. Like, that, that means a lot to me. When I hear Max Crosby reference Jimmy G and say he's a dog, that means a lot to me. When I hear Andre James say Jimmy's one of our guys, that means a lot to me. Hell, A.J. Cole, I don't remember the exact, the exact quote, but in the offseason, he had mentioned something about Jimmy G and, and really just kind of how cool he was, and that meant a lot to me. That's a leader, man. A.J. Cole is one of the, the best players on the Raiders team, right? And, and for him to say that, Max, Devontae, Josh, those ain't, those ain't just numbers on the team. Those are dudes. When dudes come out and say, I got 10s back, that's all that I, I need to know. When when they had that mic'd up session and Jimmy G was walking off the field and he was he was cursing and he was he was fired up because they won that game, what did he yell? 17! 17! Way to get it done! 17! Like just the way he's talking and the way that he's, you know, his presence is being felt, that's all I need to know. I, I'm learning a lot about the guy from sitting back, shutting my mouth, and watching. And sometimes that's all I need to do. I'm sure people are like, yeah, you need to do that a little bit more. But, you know, the wife is like, yeah, I wish you would do that all the time. <laughs> I'm tired of hearing from you. But, you know, it is what it is. Shields up. You're up next. What's on your mind, brother? <laughs> hey, Q. How you doing, man? I'm blessed, man. How are you? Not bad. I just had some knee replacement surgery. So, uh, doing some therapy, hanging home, and listening to Raider Nation Radio, man. That a boy. 
So um, I'm just going to target when you say what well, you want to see more from. I'm going to target a position group, the DT position, okay. especially this week. Um, they don't have much of a running game. And uh, I'm confident in our ends uh, with Koontz um, and, of course, Max and, and everything. But we need a push up front. And I'm expecting things from Tillery and Bilal Nichols because it's their second year in this system. So I'm confident that they're good run stoppers, but they need to get that push up the middle and disrupt this guy like the Jets did. You know, they had Leonard Williams. They got a stout defensive line. But we need that push up the middle, man. Thank you for taking my call. And shields up, bro. Hey, good stuff, good stuff, man. I hope that uh, that that uh, physical therapy for that knee replacement, man, goes really well. I didn't have knee replacement, but I did have a couple torn ACLs, man. I'll tell you what, that was no fun going through that rehab process. That stinks. But hey, you're doing your best. You're living your best life. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920, so you know you can't you can't go wrong there. I ain't mad at that. Got a got a couple quick texts I want to get to at six nine one eight seven keyword R and R. How about this one, Mailman Raider? I'm surprised Q hasn't made national don't eat food in the car day yet. <laughs> He's not wrong. That is the rules of the house. That is the rules, right? There is no doubt about that. One more from the 925Q. Was that you handing out 94.9 bumper stickers? We had a 94.9 and a 107.71. Absolutely. I, I handed out all the bumper stickers, man. And that was at the end of the night, that's all we had left. And we made that bumper sticker sound like it was gold. Hey, man, I ain't got no T-shirts. I ain't got no CDs. I got this bumper sticker, though. Dog, this is the bumper sticker you want because when, what happens, this is what happens. I got You got this bumper sticker, and you got it on your car. I'll be out tomorrow, and when I see you, because I always come around here, when I see you, I'm going to hook you up. I'm going to pull you over and insist that you get hooked up because you got that bumper sticker. All right, tell me that that wasn't the sales pitch for oh, the bumper 100%, sticker. Oh, 100%, yes. <laughs> and they, they, would, they would be excited about that, too. Man, you ain't lying. That's how we got an ugly sticker on your car. <laughs> right? I, I mean, it's never so f- be on Escalade. Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. I don't think I've ever had a bumper sticker on any of my cars. Same. It's- I, I had a Raider symbol. Matter of fact, that's how I met Victor Zaragoza. That's how we became friends. I had a Raider sticker on one side. I had a white Honda Accord, and on my window, I had a white Raider sticker. And then on my other window, I had a right, white Raider sticker. And then in the back window, I had a white Raider sticker, and it was tinted window, so it stood out. And so he's a big Raider fan, and so he asked somebody in the building, Hey, man, whose car is that in the parking garage with all them Raider stickers on it? And they said, oh, man, that's the street team guy. That's Q. He said, I need to meet Q. He seems like a cool dude. And we clicked ever since then, and that's, that's how we became friends. See, Raider Nation is family. That's a lesson learned right there. A sticker could bring you together. A family, a, a family is bonded, right, by a symbol. And that was the silver and black. 226 at the time. Keep that uh, feedback coming. 69187, keyword R&R. Nate Geary, WGR 550, Bills pregame, halftime, and postgame host will join the show next. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury. It's about the recovery. This podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness on LVSportsNetwork.com is brought to you by Porta Subs. Make sure you check out Porta Subs' six-foot party trays. They're perfect for game days. You'll get your choice of three made-to-order classic subs made with premium meats and cheese on your choice of fresh-baked bread, loaded with fresh veggies, toppings, and sauces. Game day six-foot trays serve 12 to 16 people so you can sit back and enjoy the game. Available at all Las Vegas area Porta Subs, neighborhood sandwich shops, order ahead at Porta Subs. 
He's not just a challenge for the linebackers. He's a challenge for everybody. This is one of the premier players in our league. Uh, he's an incredible competitor, really tough. He's a football player. He's not just a quarterback. I mean, there's so many challenges he presents. You try to contain him, try to, you know, limit some of the production that you can. But, you know, he's going to make his fair share of plays, and you got to just try to make it as hard as you can on him to, to not let that get out of hand. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Got a little update on the Raiders roster. I'll give that to you in about 15 minutes or so here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. But you heard Josh McDaniels, the head coach of the Raiders. Uh, He talked today, and he was talking about the next quarterback that the Silver and Black have to face, and that's Josh Allen. He said he's not just a problem for the linebackers. He's a problem for everybody. He is one of the upper echelon quarterbacks in the NFL. Well, to deep dive into Josh Allen and all things Buffalo Bills, we bring on our guy, Nate Geary, WGR 550, Bills pregame, halftime, postgame show. He's the guy, right? He is our guy in Buffalo. And, Nate, thanks so much for your time. I definitely appreciate you. And you heard the man right there. You heard Coach McDaniels talking about Josh Allen, and he's a problem for the NFL. How much of the problem of him not turning the ball over has been conversation this week since that Monday night game? It's been the topic of conversation, Q. And, I mean, rightfully so. Listen, it was a tough game to watch as a Bills fan. Listen, I mean, it was a tough game to watch as an NFL fan, right? I mean, Monday Night Football, it's week one. It's supposed to be sort of the celebration of the beginning of the football season. And four plays in, you get the Aaron Rodgers injury. And you kind of see the mental unraveling of what I believe is one of the league's best quarterbacks. Now, We've seen performances like this from Josh Allen before where he turns the ball over. He's a little careless. These are, these are things that we've seen from Josh Allen in the past. The problem is, you know, he's entered year six into his NFL career. And I think, you know, for the most part, the Bills fans are expecting a player of Josh Allen's caliber to continue elevating his game, to mature as a player and his decision-making. Um, and those are just things we, we were almost watching in real time regress. So uh, it, it was, it's been a, tough 24 hours, 48 hours, and um, sort of assessing the, the damage, re-watching some film. I know I did. And um, just what you saw, um, seven or eight different occasions, it's not just the interceptions, it's some of the decision-making and, you know, leaping, trying to leap over defenders seven yards short of the first down and um, not running out of bounds when given the opportunity. And, um, you know, I think these are just momentary laps of the judgment that you want to see Josh Allen um, be better at, not regress back to the mean. So it's been a it's been a tough couple of days since Monday Night Football. But you know, I know Bills fans are excited for this for, for this matchup. It's the home opener. Um, you know, if you've ever been to Buffalo, the home opener is the biggest party of the year here in Western New York. And I can tell you, most Bills fans are not going to let the letdown of Week One on Monday Night Football uh, spoil their party and their plans uh, going into this game uh, on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I have no doubt. I'm expecting that place to be loud and proud and crazy and, you know, ready to rock and roll come Sunday. But let's go back to Monday real quick. One thing that stood out to me, Nate, during the game, and I even saw it a couple times uh, rewinding it and watching it, was Stephon Diggs talking to Josh Allen on the sideline and continue to point to his head, like, be smart, be smart, be smart. When you saw that happen, what were you thinking? Yeah, you know, I think a lot has been made of that. Uh, I saw a piece that uh, had Michael Irvin talking about how, um, you know, he shouldn't be doing that. And I, listen, I just, I'm, I'm a little, I don't know what Stefan Diggs can do to not have this narrative that he's negative or that he's a diva or 
um, that, you know, he tries to run himself out of town and goes out, you know, all of the offseason drama around Diggs and, mm-hmm. you know, wanting to be traded. And, and then he comes out and says, I don't want to be traded. I want to be here for the rest of my career. Josh Allen's one of my best friends. That's, and then you, the next day you have Stephen A. Smith going on ESPN and talking about yeah. how he, people close to him, say he really does want out. The things he said did matter. So it's like, no matter what Diggs says, no matter what he does, there is this reputation. It's this stigma. And it's not just in football, right? Like, you look across, you think about people that have a specific reputation, whether it's show business and music, no matter what you do to change it, it's almost like that narrative that that reputation follows you around. And, and right now, Stefan Diggs has this reputation that follows him around. And I thought that the, the, the camera that panned onto Josh and, and Diggs right before that final drive where they go down and tie the game – you know, I thought it was an overwhelmingly positive interaction between the two and where Diggs is trying to go up there and, you know, just tell his quarterback, like, you know, be smart, but like, you got this, man. Like, yeah. I trust you. I, I believe in you. And, and I thought that that was a far cry from the kind of communication and body language that we saw um, in that Bengals game in the playoffs where there was clearly frustration. And, and listen, you know, I, I, I left that game thinking, and I tweeted this, like, I can understand some of the frustrations that Stephon Diggs has had with maybe not just Allen, but the offense in general. I mean, he goes and starts that game and he ends the first half with like, I think five or six catches. And then he goes the entire second half, except for that last drive with just one more target. When this offense flows through Stephon Diggs, it is at its best. Yes. Sean McDermott mentioned it this week uh, during his press conference on Tuesday that, you know, this offense is desperately looking for that second target to sort of separate itself from the rest of the pack and provide a, complimentary piece to Stephon Diggs. But right now, Stephon Diggs is one of the top three, top four receivers in all of football. And when he is treated as such, when he gets the type of attention offensively and game plan and scheme ability that a Tyree Kill and a Justin Jefferson get, it does make it easier for those other guys. But for whatever reason, this offense, whether it's Josh Allen, whether it's Ken Dorsey, whether it's a mix of both, it seems like they go through these stretches during games where there's turnovers happening, they're three and outs, they're punting the football, they're, they're sort of getting stuck in the mud. It's in those moments where you realize, where is Stephon Diggs? Why isn't he involved? And I think, to me, that, that leads a little, it, it provides a little bit of background. It provides a little context to why he was frustrated last year. But going back to the original question, uh, Q, I, I had nothing I, – I saw nothing wrong with how he was approaching Josh and treating Josh in that moment on TV. Yes, the camera's always on those two. Um, but, but I thought it was a moment – of encouragement, a moment of trying to be a leader and a teammate, not, um, you know, trying to show Josh up or something on, on national television. No, I agree with you 100%. I thought he was trying to calm the calm the waters, you know, encourage his quarterback and let it be known, like you said, we got this, no worries. I, I thought it was actually pretty cool to see him go do that. I didn't. I had no idea that Michael Irvin said what he said. That's, that's interesting because we know how fiery Michael Irvin was and is, even to this day. So that is an interesting take from, from the playmaker. Nate Geary from WGR 550 is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. So I wanted to ask this, and I, I do it with all due respect, do you get a sense that maybe Josh Allen misses Brian Dayball a little bit, or does it have nothing to do with him? Listen, um, I'm a big Brian Dayball fan. Um, okay. I think he's one of the best uh, offensive minds in football. He's, um, you know, right up there in the conversations with the McVeighs and the Andy Reeds, and, um, you know, I know I'm probably missing a couple of people, but I, I guess my point is, you know, he is one of those guys that um, – demands the respect of the players because of his performance. But he also is a guy that relates really well. And 
there's that trust factor built. And this is not a shot at Ken Dorsey uh, because Ken Dorsey has accomplished a lot, both in his playing career and as a coach. Um, but I think that my biggest issue is, you know, I, I've talked about this a little bit today, which is I, I don't know that I blame Ken Dorsey on the micro level, meaning play to play, down to down, dis- designing play calls. Do I think he's the most innovative offensive coordinator in the league? No. Do I think he's a top 15, top 20 guy? No. Um, I, I think he leaves a lot to be desired in the run game. Uh, he doesn't design a lot of, I think, successful run concepts. But what he put together, the game plan that he put together against the Jets on Monday Night Football, I think was largely working in the past game. They were beating. I mean, they were 5 for 5 in 120 quarterback rating when targeting the best corner in football in South Gardner. What right. they were doing was working. It was Josh going rogue. It was Josh moving away from the plan and going rogue that ultimately was this offense's downfall. But the macro to me is something that I look at as maybe where they miss Brian Dable the most. And what I mean by that is it's that inner, it's the maturity, it's the development, it's that accountability that I've been most disappointed in with Ken Dorsey is being able to reel in Josh. And that's what I thought Brian Dable did so well when he was here was able, and I thought he's done the same thing with Daniel Jones in New York. I mean, obviously the first you know game is Sunday night football. Maybe that's not the best example to use the most recency, but I, I look at this and I say, Brian Dable, what they maybe miss most about Brian Dable is not the micro stuff. It's not the game planning. It's not the scheming. It's not the plays themselves, but it's just that leadership, that ability to pull Josh aside and you know, look him in the eye and have and demand that respect. Um, and, and I think helping him mature is, a, is one of the primary jobs of Ken Dorsey. And if I were to say the one area they miss Brian Dable, it's just that. It's that leadership. It's the ability to mold the mind of the quarterback the right way to make sure that he's not making these same mistakes over and over again. So I, maybe not in the way you thought, I would think. You would think that Bills fans miss yeah. Brian Dable, but I think when you look at it from that perspective, it makes a lot of sense when you see some of the regression and the turnovers you've seen in the last year in a game without Brian Dable here at the hub. And that's why we ask you the questions, because I know you know exactly what you're talking about. That's why all I do is ask the questions. Again, Nate Geary, WGR 550, is with us here on Radio Nation Radio 920 talking about the Raiders' next opponent, which is the Buffalo Bills. So you've seen bad games. We've all seen bad games from the teams, right? So how normally do the Bills and even Josh Allen, how do they rebound after a loss that, you know, they felt like they probably shouldn't have lost like that game on Monday? Yeah, so if you want to go back to last year, you know, they have that loss against the Miami Dolphins, and then the following week they play Pittsburgh at home, and they basically were resting their starters by the end of the fourth quarter. This is a team that I think is in a much better, a much familiar, much more comfortable position of not being the team that everyone expects week in and week out to blow teams out to be the number one team. They sit better in that underdog role where people are talking about them negatively. I expected a lot of what we heard in the offseason to be build more billboard material for this team to play an efficient game and ultimately blow the Jets out, especially when Aaron Rodgers went out. But now I think there's even more so motivation. Like, honestly, this is the, this is the Raiders team that's catching the Bills, I think, at, at a tough time because – there's a lot of self-reflection. Um, there's, it's a veteran leader. You know, there's a lot of leaders in that locker room. Um, I know that Josh is the kind of guy that likes to bounce back and he likes to take his shots. He likes to do what he's got to do. Um, but Josh has always been a guy that when you sort of count him out, he starts to play his best football. Um, so I, I think from a bounce-back perspective, bounce-back ability, um, this offense, this team is built to do that because of the veteran leadership within the locker room, the Jordan Poyers and Micah Hyde, right, and the – 
Stephon Diggs and the Mitch Morses of the world, these guys that have been around the league a long time, um, they sort of know that sometimes you just got to, you know, for, to, to quote the, uh, the famous Ted Lasso, right, you got to have the memory of a goldfish and you kind of just have to move on. Um, and that goes from down to down, not just game to game. And I think he got caught up a little bit in that last week, right, throwing an interception and then going out and throwing a pick and then on the very next drive fumbling. And I think that there was a bit of a snowball effect. But I think that snowball effect also works in the favor of the Bills. It was a team that I think can utilize that, use that as motivation, uh, be better, and, and move this thing back in the right direction. You know, one of the keys to this game, I think, for the Raiders is to establish the run and, and really try to, you know, hammer home Josh Jacobs, maybe Samir White as well, but really get Josh Jacobs going. And look, the Bills gave up 172 yards on the ground against the Jets, but 83 came on one play. So, well, what all in all, how, when you look at the, uh, the, the Bills and their run defense, what are your thoughts on it? Listen, man, it's not the players to me. It's not – it is this tough one to diagnose, Q, because this has been an issue year in and year out with this Bills run defense. Put Tremaine Edmonds back in there. Uh, you know, add whatever piece you want out along this defensive line and, and this front seven. It is as simple and, – and I hate – football is a simple sport made incredibly complicated, right? <laughs> right? And one of the first things that everybody always talks about, the word that I hate but is the most frequently used word in the NFL, in football, in, at, at any level, fundamentals, right? And the two fundamental things you learn when you play defensive line at the middle school level, at the high school level, at the college level, whether it's Division three or Division one, whether it's the SEC or the ACC, you learn about run fits, making sure that when you are playing your defensive line position and you're a two-gap player, that at any point you can rip one way and provide you know, basically a safety net for those linebackers. Keep those linebackers clean. Be a two-gap player. You hear that all the time. But I think what the Bills, sometimes Ed Oliver, and, and whom I love a lot, I think he had six pressures on Monday Night Football, had a good game. Um, there's Jordan Phillips, who I like a lot, who they are better when he is on the field. Those two interior defensive linemen are very good pass rush defenders, but they at times can get themselves out of position by being aggressive in shooting up field and sort of, uh, I would say, like misgapping themselves and putting themselves out of position, which then puts their linebackers in a difficult spot. So that's fundamental number one, remaining and keeping those run gaps um, pristine so that, A, everyone's in position and everyone can do their job, um, and there's a domino effect on that. But, B, it's also tackling. Uh, Tredavious White missed two big tackles that could have really put that first big Brees Hall run at, at like a gain of six or seven, and then he missed another one in the red zone that ended up getting broken off for like a 15- or 16-yard run by Brees Hall. So tackling and keeping your run fits in your run lane are two super fundamental things that you learn the very moment you start playing football and you play in defense. And the Bills seem to kind of struggle year in and year out maintaining the integrity in those areas. So they're fundamental things, the coachable things, um, but they're just more so than anything, Q, they're attention to detail. Right. No, there's no doubt about that. Nate Geary is our guest here on Red Nation Radio 920. We'll close out with this. Tamar Hamlin obviously is a hell of a story. We remember when uh, he went down on Monday Night Football. We all remember where we were. He's back now. He didn't play on Monday night. Do you expect him to be out on the field this Sunday? You know, it's tough. They got kind of a roster crunch at the safety position right now. Um, they, the Bills value special teams. And that, that's not to say that every team doesn't value special teams. But the Bills are unique in that since Sean McDermott's been here, they'll keep guys on the roster strictly to play special teams. Uh, Sierra Neal, 
is a guy, uh, number 33 for the Bills, that um, you know plays defense every once in a while. He's this key, one of this team's core special teams players. He's a gunner. He's fast. He made a couple of great plays um, on special teams uh, on Monday night. Uh, but the guy, and he plays kind of all over. He can play slot corner. He can play boundary corner. He can play safety. Another guy here from that's a local guy from the University of Buffalo um, is um, – Oh shoot! Is it, is it Cam, it's not Cam Phillips, is it? Um, they've got a guy, a guy at the safety number thirty-seven that play that does the same thing, right? Can play boundary corner, can play slot corner, and it can also play safety. And he is slotted as a safety. And I think because of that position flexibility, being able to play multiple positions, and their special teams, um, like what they provide in the special teams, kind of puts them in a tough spot because they went out and signed Taylor Rapp from the Rams in the off season. And he played a lot of big nickel um, and played as sort of like an extra linebacker in some of the 11 ton personnel looks that the Jets threw out there. And sometimes even the Jets ran a lot of 13 personnel, three tight ends against the Bills. Um, so I think like that puts DeMar Hamlin in this tough spot. I think barring injury, he's going to be kind of a guy week in and week out injury or matchup dependent. He'll probably be a guy week in and week out that, that is an active uh, or inactive, a healthy scratch. Um, but don't get it twisted. He's still a big part of this franchise. It's just they've got a lot of numbers at the position, and a lot of those guys have tons of position flexibility where he's really kind of truly a safety, doesn't provide that nickel or that boundary corner depth. Um, and I think that just kind of puts him in this kind of difficult spot um, in terms of kind of the guys around him at that same position. There it is right there. Great stuff. Nate Geary. Nate, thanks so much for your time, man. Enjoy the game on Sunday, and I know you'll do a hell of a job on the pregame halftime show and the postgame show. Thank you, my friend, Q. It's always good to talk to you, my friend, and uh, you do the same. Absolutely. Appreciate you, my man. Nate Geary, WGR 550, Bills pregame, halftime, postgame, host of the radio show. He does a little bit of everything. And, man, gave us some great, great coverage of the Buffalo Bills. That's how we roll. 248 is the time. We'll take a quick break, come back, get to your calls as we close out hour number one of the show. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Many thanks to Nate Geary. Great stuff. WGR 550 talking all things Bills in the last segment. If you missed that, at the end of the show, you can always check us out, lvsportsnetwork.com. You can check out the podcast version of it. Of course, it's brought to you each and every day by Porta Subs, and we definitely appreciate them. Uh, but check that out. That was a really good interview. Want to give you a quick roster update. The Raiders signed tackle Sebastian Gutierrez and cornerback Troy Pride to the practice squad. And why did they do that? How did they have open spots? Well, they lost cornerback Sam Webb. He was signed from the practice squad to the Carolina Panthers active roster. And also McClendon Curtis signed off the Raiders practice squad to the Seattle Seahawks. So that's a bummer. Sam Webb is one thing, but McClendon Curtis is another thing. Uh, He is now a member of the Seattle Seahawks. So a little bit of roster update from that. Uh, real quick, let's go out to the phone lines at 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our guy, Passionate Raider. What's on your mind, my man? What's up, Q, man? Hey, I mean, you know, given a couple to reflect after the game, after everything that happened, you know, to walk out of there with the victory like we did with nobody injured, that is a big plus in my book. I mean, did we really win the game as much as Denver gave it away? I mean, I'm not going to be the Debbie Downer, but we, we definitely do got a lot to improve. I like to see the way that that Jimmy was standing in there and able just to take off and tuck it and run when he needed to. Jacob said it best, man. Any man, that, any any QB that does that's going to earn my respect, and he earned my respect for that. I did get a little nervous when he got hit in the beginning, man. I seen his foot kind of roll. I was like, oh, no, man, please don't let this happen right away. But we walked out of Denver with the WQ. 
I'm feeling really high and confident about this week going into Buffalo. I think that Buffalo's just in the past since the stuff with Diggs and, and and the quarterback and whatnot, when stuff like that starts circulating around, you know, there's just always some tension in the air. So I think right now they're they're a wounded duck. I think we could go in there and handle business with with, with the defense again. I love just just cute. watching Max. Does he ever get tired? Does this nope. guy ever get tired? I went back and rewatched the guy every freaking play. He's going 150 miles an hour, man. Bouncing back up off the ground. If that ain't a leader on the Raiders defense, if everyone can't see that, I don't know if you guys pay attention to watching that. Uh, the Lakers are returning to glory. Have you been following that cue? If not, go watch the last episode. Watch what Kareem said to them guys in the locker room about playing for the fans, and that's exactly what I'd be hollering about when I'd be telling the Raiders just to play for the nation. Let's go into Buffalo this week. Let's handle this business cue. Let's come out of here 2-0. And come home and ready to light it up for the boys on prime time football cue. Let's go. I'm feeling good about it this weekend. Can you get a holler if you hear me? Raiders! Come there he goes. Passionate Raider. Thanks for the call, my man. Appreciate you. I would elaborate, but we got to get to hour number two of the show. Ari Mayrob joins the show. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness here on LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs.